Hey, what's up, y'all? This is Chris Kane again with another unofficial therapy podcast. Thank you for tuning in. Always happy to have you guys with me. Uh, we're going to keep this one a little bit short and tight today because it's late and I want to sleep. But I still want to talk to y'all. So we're going to try to hedge our bets a little bit. Uh, so today's podcast is about knowledge. And knowledge is kind of a fickle concept because people confuse belief with knowledge. And those two aren't the same, right? Knowledge is what you know you know. Belief is what you believe to know, right? So if you want to do it as a shorthand. And a really good way to challenge whether you know something or not is if you would be willing to bet money on something you say. So if he's like, I know for a fact that, you know, pi is 3.14, whatever. If someone says, are you willing to put money on it? The minute you say, well, I don't know, then you don't know. You just think you know. And so that's, that's a belief, but it's not real knowledge. And one of the dangers is navigating through life with belief masquerading as knowledge. Especially in this day and age, because you can know a lot of things. Like Most information is attainable. Yeah, there's some information buried and there's some you know, sites out there that have some kind of BS attached to it and conspiracy stuff. So yeah, there's maybe a lot of stuff to kind of sift through, but it's information available to you. You don't have to not know anything. If you are a sports guy like I am, right? I get in sports debates all the time, and guys would just start throwing out facts, what they believe to be facts. Oh man, he never had this many points in a game. And you're like, yes, he did. In 1998, he did it against Boston or something. But when that person said what they said, they were... They thought they were correct. Now, you could have challenged them and be like, really, he never did that? You want to put some money up? And then you watch the, well, I want to put the money up, but I'm sure. You can't, it's not sure. You can't be sure if you don't know for real. And it's an interesting concept because we do this every day. You probably mention at least five to ten things a day you believe to be true. Maybe you heard someone say it, you're just parroting it back to someone else. And you're passing it off as just knowledge. Like, unequivocally, this is knowledge. And no one challenges it. No one like, like, are you sure about that, dude? You wanna you feel good about that? But if you did, I think you would be more judicious about what you say. But more so, maybe be more inclined to seek out knowledge, which is really what the point of this whole thing is. There are a lot of things I believe I know. So obviously that's an oxymoron in and of itself, right? It's a contradiction. Um, and then there are things that I know I know. Like I know I know things about how the body works and moves because that's what my career is in. So if someone's like, oh, I did a push-up, but I felt it in a certain muscle group that doesn't activate during a push-up, I, I know you shouldn't feel that muscle that you felt activate because the joint actions and the movement patterns don't, facilitate that muscle to work, right? So I can say that with confidence to speak with authority. No, you don't work your calves during a pull-up. You know, I can say that with some confidence, right? Aside from that, though, I know a lot of things about sports, but there are a lot of things that maybe I misremember. There's those, those things that go into it. So before you go into any kind of debate of that nature or if you start speaking with any kind of authority, I encourage people to research what you think you know. 
And then the more you know, then you can speak with more conviction and you can actually cite things that you're referencing. This happens all the time in politics. It happens all the time in like religion and all these kind of things where people just start saying stuff. And they just it just they kind of go off on a tangent and people it sounds good because they're saying it with pride and conviction. They they're saying it as if it's facts, but there's no facts attached to it. In fact, most of it is probably conjecture, right? It's just I believe this to be true. I'm gonna say, for instance, this happens all the time. People say, "Listen, I know for a fact that the government's behind X, Y, and Z," and then. You say, well, do you know what a fact is? It's something that's verifiable, falsifiable, et cetera, et cetera. It's like, so can you verify that that's what the government did? Because if you can't, then this is, it may actually be true, but it doesn't mean that it's a fact, right? It's, it's, it, it's a, it could be a coincidence. It could also just be, you can happen to be right and still not have had a fact to support what you said. And I think once you kind of get into like the nuance of what that means, then it's, again, this is like the conspiracy theory people. I have a conspiracy that the moon landing didn't happen. Let's say that's, let's just put that out there. I believe in the moon landing personally, but let's say someone didn't. They can say, why do you believe that? Well, I saw some strings and the gravity looked weird, but I don't know. You just have reasonable doubt, but you don't have facts. You have a reason to have suspicion, though. And if it comes out 20 years from now, they say, oh, you know, Moulin didn't happen. Sorry, guys, we faked it. That you can feel vindicated and that your conclusion was correct. But at no point up until that point did you have the actual facts and knowledge about it. And so you can't walk around. I told you. I knew what I was talking about. Mm. You had some evidence on your side and a bunch of hearsay and, you know, a lot, of, a lot of just opinions laced in there that sounded right. One of the things I like to do is like have people challenge the things that I say. Because in addition to what I think I know, I also have things that I believe, right? So we're going to kind of juxtapose these two. Um, so I believe a lot of things to be true. Meaning I use them as guiding principles to govern my life. I don't confuse them with knowledge. It's, these are anecdotal for the most part. This is how I use my life. This is how I've been kind of moving forward. So I believe a lot of things to be true because they're true for me. That isn't, I can't apply that to the rest of the world. Everyone has different experiences to me. Um, so some people will challenge the things I believe to be true. And if I can't stand up against scrutiny or against criticism or against you know, those type of questions then I have to reassess what I believe to be true, right? Because if I think, so one of my theories is you can't make any meaningful, like long-lasting, impactful change unless you have a catalyst for it. And typically, and I've done a podcast about this, that's hitting some level of rock bottom. Because if you're not at rock bottom, you still can delude yourself into believing the patterns of actions you're doing will achieve the result you want. So even if you're like floundering, if you're just confident that, well, I'm floundering now, but at some point I'm going to get there, then you're going to keep doing the things that aren't working. But when you hit rock bottom, you realize I've tried everything and it's not working. I got to change course. That's when you actually make change. Okay. So that's 
a really short version of what that podcast was, but also like what the principle is. I believe that'd be true. And this is based mostly on my experience as a trainer and at my work in college and et cetera, et cetera. And it's played out like that for the most part in my career. Now, someone can come to me and say, what about when you just wake up one morning and just cut your hair off? Or, you know, you just do something on a whim. And I get that, like that people do that, obviously. But there was a thought and there was a feeling behind that, that that was a catalyst for it. I don't believe cutting your hair off is as drastic as I'm going to stop smoking or I'm going to stop drinking or I'm going to get in the gym and not fall victim to diabetes like my whole family has. I don't think those are equitable. Like I don't think you can, they don't, they're not the same. There's, there's levels to this, not equivalent. So you can do things on a whim. You can obviously do something just random. But I don't think it's the same as I think I'm going to go back to school and at 45 after your kids graduated because probably for 18 years you want to go back but your money had to be locked up with your kids and you finally got to 45 and you were like, I'm not where I want to be in my career. Um, I always wanted to do a certain thing but my kids held me back. Now they're out of the picture. I have no excuses. Now I want to do it. I don't think you just decide on a Tuesday afternoon drinking a fucking mimosa for brunch. All right, yeah, college. Like, I don't think it, not, not if it means something, not if you're like changing careers or not if you're trying to pursue some higher level. I don't think it happens like that. I obviously can be wrong. I'm sure people will cite examples that I am. This is what I believe to be true. But I like to have people challenge it because it makes me more hunkered in my resolve. And if there's flaws, then I can modify it a little bit. Um, this has happened numerous times in regards to women because I have a whole lot of theories on women that I haven't really gotten into with you guys. I've really talked about the one in a hundred principle, which I believe is absolutely true for me. And again, for me, I think it's true. And briefly, if you haven't heard that podcast, essentially the theory is the person that's your soulmate or the person you're, you know, quote unquote, destined to be with. If they're in a room, let's say it's a woman because I like women. If it's 100 women in the room, the one woman that's your soulmate that you're destined to be with is the one that stands out amongst the crowd. And it's not about beauty. It's not necessarily about a look. It's just an energy. You see them and everyone else is kind of irrelevant. You can appreciate, oh, there's other beautiful women in the room. Oh, that's a blonde. I like blondes, or typically I do, whatever. But this one is the one. I don't need the 99. I don't need them. And if that's what you feel, then you're less likely to, I think, stray when you get into like a deep relationship or marriage or whatever. Like We've all seen those couples where they just seem to fit like a puzzle piece. And it's not that they're stronger than the rest of us. They don't have temptations and all that. It's just what I got works for me as well as anything I think could work for me. Could my husband be in better shape? Probably, but he he's an amazing father or a provider. Can my girl, you know, not annoy me at various points? Probably, but everything else she does is tremendous. She holds me down. She's my rock. She's my spine. And so you don't want 
what's tempting out there because that one stands out above the other 99. That's that principle. And this was developed over time. I used to just think if someone made me laugh or I was cool around them, all right, cool, this person's worthy of giving a chance. And then over time you realize sometimes people just make you laugh and they're good to be in your life but not good in that arena. And so you got to modify and kind of change where you're coming from. And as you keep getting older and older, unfortunately, you get more and more entrenched in what you believe. And you start to gravitate towards people who feel the same way. This is obviously true in mostly politics and religion, but even like with food, right? If you're a, let's say you're a vegan at 30, right now you, you're probably like a crusader on some level, like trying to get people to follow your lead. Hey, you know what they do to animals, blah, blah, blah. But then once you get to a certain age, though, even if your daughter's like, hey, you need some nutrients that you find in meat and blah, 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 I recommend you become a pescatarian. At that point, you're so entrenched. You're like, listen, I'm not. This is what I do. Give me, give me the pills that supplement what the food is supposed to do because I'm so ingrained in this that I can't change course anymore. And once you get that rigid, then you know, I think a piece of you dies because you can't grow anymore. And so I like to keep challenging yourself and keep interacting with people who don't believe what you believe, right? If you're a Muslim, talk to people who are atheists and like and just hear their perspective and see if it strengthens, if strengthens what you feel. And you're not going to convince them to probably be what you are, but that's not really the point. The point is for you to be more sure in where you are and that is stood up against conviction. Because I don't believe anything is worth anything if it can't stand up against something, right? So if you say, I believe in global warming, let's say you believe that. And then someone's like, well, the research says blah, blah, blah. And then you just completely cave because you have nothing to back it up with. You didn't actually believe anything. You just were saying that. You were parroting it because people told it to you. But if you say, yes, I'm aware of that research... The other research I've seen says blah, 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 and you guys go back and forth. You may never get to a real conclusion, but at least you're knowledgeable about what you're saying, and then you can stand on what you say. This is one of my guiding principles. I don't have a ton for life, but this is one. I guess I can leave you guys with this. Don't say and do things you can't stand on as much as you can avoid. We obviously you know, all fall short, make mistakes, whatever. But as a general rule, whatever you do, do things that you can stand on. If you're, if you believe this, there's obviously going to be opposition. No one believes all things are the same, but you stand on it. I believe this for X, Y, and Z. It works for me. It may not work for you. We can talk about it, but you're not going to move me off off this rock for the most part, unless you make an unbelievably compelling argument. And even then, it's going to just move me to a different rock. But. That's that's what it is. Like I, I stand on what I say. Don't get caught out here saying and doing things and then under scrutiny say, I don't know why I did it or I just thought I was cool. That's not I don't think that's really an adult way to live and I don't think it's really really a um I think it's functional is the wrong word. It's a less desirable way to live if you can't stand on what you're saying and doing. Especially in a social media age where everything has a memory everything is recorded and everything is reposted and stuff 
whatever you say, whatever you put out there, at some point you're going to be accountable to it. Uh, you can delete it if you want to, but people will go back 10 years and find and screenshot and then blackmail you later. It's really getting, it's a cold game out here. So when you put stuff out of what you believe and what you think is true and knowledge and false knowledge and whatever all that stuff is, be prepared at some point and have to stand for it. And if you can, then good. I'm sure you are probably a functional and well-adjusted person. If if under scrutiny, under a microscope, you wilt, then you probably need to change course. I'll leave you guys with that. Thank you, as always, for tuning in. Uh, if you have any questions or if you want to have a question answered on the podcast, hit me up on social media, at Sexy Comedy. And I saw on Twitter and IG, by the way. And I will see you guys next week. Thank you for listening. Deuces.